You're listening to the NASM CPT Podcast with Rick Ritchie, winner of the Share Care Emmy Award for Social Storytelling and the official podcast of the National Academy of Sports Medicine. Hey, y'all, and welcome to the NASM CPT Podcast. My name is Rick Ritchie, and today we're going to talk about something that happened over the weekend. So we had the NASM Optima Academy at the Fit Expo in Anaheim. And I know uh, to my producer, we like to keep these evergreen, but I want to also explain what's going on in life. And this is um, this is a great expo, a fitness expo that takes place in, in a lot of places. So Fit Expo, the Fit Expo is, a, is an amazing experience and they're starting to add in a lot more education. So they brought in the Optima Academy, which is basically the NASM conference inside of somebody else's conference. And I did one on stretching your muscles and your mind. And so we're going to do a little bit of what I talked about. And I'll review it. So trust me, the people who were there and present got a lot more out of this than you're going to. But that's just because it's really hard to talk stretching and understand what I'm talking about just by listening to my voice or watching me talk about it if you're watching YouTube. So I start by that opening slide and then I then acknowledge how I am the perfect person for this job talking about flexibility because I show a 16 year old version of myself doing the Jean-Claude Van Damme splits between two wooden chairs, which are our old wooden chairs that were around our dinner table. Uh, at my home that I grew up in, in Florence, Alabama, where my folks still live. And I'm wearing a high school shirt. And it said uh, Bruin Head because we were the Bradshaw Bruins. And at the time, when I was a junior in high school, the shirts, the duck head, I don't know if you guys are, are about my age, but there was a, a, a clothing brand called Duckhead, and it was just a circle and it would have a duck's head in it and they were so popular <laughs> they were like popular in Alabama maybe but they were very very popular to the point that we even spoofed that with our shirts for our high school uh, and there I am with my skinny legs and my little body holding on and doing the splits in between chairs um you may be asking Rick it's been a few years. Um, 29. <laughs> Can you still do that? No. No, in Alabama, that's what we call a used to could. I used to could do it, but I can't do it anymore. So that's, I got a whole lot of used to coulds, uh, including a lot of athletic endeavors that I used to could do that I can't do anymore. But you know, uh, aging has been an absolute journey and I ain't mad at it. So uh, and then I wanted to talk about like, okay, so my next one was, you need to know what it is to stretch. So we're talking about stretching, but how do I know what to stretch? And, and the first thing I point out is you need to go through some assessments. Uh, and assessments will give you at least some guideline on what would be indicated in stretching. But you have these these assessments that give you data, but people also have goals. And those goals may not fit well into your assessment. So for instance, my goal was to be able to do the splits. And I, I wanted to be able to do that. In fact, my that was the center splits that I showed the picture of. I used to get my textbooks from school and I would stack them up and we'd do the front splits. And I'd put my front leg on the, on the books that would be stacked up about five or six textbooks. 
uh, high. And my brother, uh, my older brother, usually, sometimes my younger brother could help, but he was smaller, uh, it would just push me down. It was like an inverted, an inverted front split. Why? Why did you do that, you dummy? I did it because I was a martial artist. And not only was I a martial artist, I did Chinese acrobatics. And my goal was to be a Power Ranger. And I don't mean that frivolously. I mean that I wanted to go to stunt school and become either the Power Ranger on the show doing the stuff or one of the guys that the Power Ranger beats up. I was, I was, was going to do stunt work. So why would why did I do that? Because it was my goal. I needed to be able to do the splits. It didn't fit into assessment. You already got a good 90-90 hamstring stretch. Why do you need to do that? Because I have goals. And if that's the case, you got to do certain things to reach those goals. I also pointed out, and dancers would be the same. There are a lot of people that, that have kind of goals outside of just general orthopedic assessments that you would need to line up a particular set of skills. I have a particular set of skills. Performance needs would be another one, right? So there are going to be performance needs, and sometimes those flexibility standards have to fall within this range of performance needs. I do flexibility here because I need flexibility for my particular outcome. Think about a baseball pitcher and the range of motion and external rotation that they have at the shoulder. That's a, that's a performance need in order for them to be able to get more arc in their pitch in order to pick up the speed or to accelerate how quickly they can throw. And then another one that I think we shoot down sometimes at NASM, and I don't know if it's really fair necessarily to shoot it down because we'll say, all right, uh, based on the assessments, you don't need your hamstrings stretched. And then people are like, but I really feel like I need it. And then you go, but you don't. And you go, but I actually like having it done. And then you go, yeah, but I'm not going to do that because you don't need it. I'm like, well, that's, that's weird. Like you don't need to do bicep curls either. And yet you can program it. <laughs> so it's, it's okay. So in that one, I refer to as fulfillment. Does it give you a sense of fulfillment? Is there fulfillment or joy or uh, a, a valuable takeaway that's created? And if that's the case, yeah, well, go ahead and stretch it. Go ahead and stretch it. If you're hyper flexible somewhere, you can stretch it. Just go and create stabilization around it as well. Do you need to? No. Does it fulfill you and therefore feel the need to? All right. I guess stretch it, right? That's okay. That's okay. Just don't stretch yourself into damage. Well, that was that was talking about, well, how do I know what to stretch? And through assessment goals, performance needs, and fulfillment, those four things, I believe that it gives you an idea of what to stretch, but how to know how to stretch. And that really comes down to understanding joint actions and muscles. So if I'm going to stretch something, I have to be able to do the opposite of what that muscle does concentrically. So a concentric muscle contraction, how that muscle shortens. And so you do that by a couple of ways. Uh, let me lay that out for you. One, you need to at least have an understanding of where the proximal and distal attachments are. Proximal and distal attachments. Sometimes it's referred to as origin and insertion, which um, I don't know if I particularly like that simply because it didn't originate. It didn't like, like my biceps 
didn't start at my shoulder and grow down and then attach to my my radius. Like I didn't do that. Uh, so I like the idea of proximal and distal attachments. So I need to know about where they are. It doesn't mean you need to memorize what the proximal and distal attachments are, but you should know around where they are on the body. And then you also have to know, number two, what joints do they cross? Because in order for them to directly move a joint, they have to directly cross a joint. Now, they can indirectly move a joint. That's a different story. But to find out what a muscle does concentrically, I need to know what muscles the joints cross. So proximal and distal attachment, I need to know what muscles they cross. And I need to know, number three, what are the directions of their fibers? Because I have a proximal and distal attachment we talked about a few weeks ago with my internal and external obliques. They cross pretty much the same joints. They cross from my, my um, ilium into my ribs, right? Or my thoracolumbar fascia into my ribs. But the direction of fiber gives them completely different joint actions in the transverse plane. So I, I need to know what the direction of the fibers are to better understand where and how and what joint actions are created. Once I do that, then I can understand movement in a much better way. And then the, the other thing I said is, I, how do you know which type of flexibility technique is to be implemented? And through that, we discussed a little bit of the NASM flexibility continuum. And within the flexibility continuum, there's corrective flexibility, there's active flexibility, and there's functional flexibility. And within each of those broad categories, all of them contain self-myofascial rolling. So SMR, uh, foam rolling. You can foam roll in any of those phases and it will support you in your corrective exercise, in your active, and in your functional flexibility. But then there are techniques, stretching techniques that are applied under each of those. So in corrective flexibility, we have something called static stretching. It's the type of stretching most people think about when they think about stretching. So static stretching is a type of corrective flexibility. It's designed to increase the length of shortened muscle tissues. So how do you do that? I don't know, one to two sets of holding a stretch for 30 to 60 seconds. The more you want to increase your flexibility, the more sets you can do. Research shows that holding it for longer doesn't necessarily create better flexibility. So you don't have to do what I did when I was a kid trying to get all that flexibility where I would basically sit in the splits as far as I could do and watch the Cosby show while I was sitting in the splits or watching Saved by the Bell trying to sit into a stretch for as far as I could go as long as I could do it. You don't have to do that. You do it for 30 to 60 seconds, get out of it, go back into it, do it again. And you can do it for higher sets, but you don't have to hold it for that long. Within that, so the active stretching has active stretches uh, and it's an active stretching as a type of active flexibility technique designed to increase strength of the functional antagonist to the muscle that you're trying to get range of motion at and through something called reciprocal inhibition. Now, static stretching uses autogenic inhibition. Active uses reciprocal inhibition, which is the muscle on one side, moving through one side, inhibits the movement of muscles on the other side or the activation of muscles on the other side. That doesn't mean that they cannot co-contract. 
But when you do that, you relax one side by activating the other. That's not a co-contraction. That is trying to move through and create an active stretch. Hold it for a second or two. Sometimes I'll hold them up to four seconds, five to 10 repetitions, one to two sets. That is a great means of adding strength to your newfound range of motion that you did in your static stretching. I like this. Uh, there's a, a push lately where people are like, oh, you've seen this, this thing where uh, it's education around end range of motion strength. And I was like, oh, you mean like active, active flexibility? And they were like, well, yeah, but it's like an end range of motion. I was like, yeah, you threw active strength, active, it's active flexibility of training. And they were like, yeah, but it's a whole thing. And I was like, I understand. It. I think it's great that somebody created a system of active stretching. It's great. I'm glad somebody do it and they can sell it and make money off of it. That's great. But what are they providing? They're providing active flexibility. And I think that's value. I'm glad. I'm glad somebody's out there doing it. I prefer an integrated approach, but it doesn't mean that I say no to people who really focus on that. Unfortunately, I feel like people only focus on dynamic stretching, which we'll get to. Uh, or they only focus on static stretching. And active stretching is the lost child in this flexibility continuum. So to see somebody put a little more focus on it, I'm in. Count me in. I'm happy for it. And then we got another one called dynamic flexibility. Dynamic flexibility has a, it is a form of functional flexibility. Well, what is functional flexibility? Functioning. <laughs> Functioning. Uh, it's a technique that allows the antagonist strength along with momentum and dynamic flexibility to take joint through a full range of motion. So it's like active stretching, but we use momentum to do it. So we use the muscle in order to create the stretch. And you see this, people are doing this with like leg swings. Um, and, I, and I think that's really a, a good way of doing it. Leg swings and the Frankenstein kicks and uh, really dynamic type of stretches, but that, to be honest, like squatting and lunging are functional flexibility made and they can be dynamic, but they're highly functional and you need flexibility to do those things. So then what do you do? Well, what I like to do in the learning process is practice and <laughs> the application process too, but practice, practice, practice. So what I like to do is identify a muscle. We take, okay, what does that muscle do? Concentrically, great. So how do I stretch it? And you do everything opposite of what it does concentrically. Or how does it decelerate? It decelerates by doing these things. Well, that's also how you would stretch it. So you find the joint action to stretch it. And then just go through a series of exercises with it. A series of exercises, uh, of flexibility exercises. So that could be um, things like... Um, the let's say hip flex uh, quads rectus femoris right so when we do the rectus femoris rectus femoris does hip flexion and knee extension concentrically so how do we stretch it we go into knee uh, flexion and hip extension great so how do we stretch that muscle we can do a kneeling hip flexor stretch and the kneeling hip flexor stretch works stretches the quad more than it would if i did a standing hip flexor stretch so I kneel and my knee flexes and it stretches the rectus femoris more. Great. So now I'm doing a, a kneeling hip flexor stretch with a posterior pelvic tilt to get an additional stretch from the hip. That's a static stretch. Hold it for 30 seconds. Now, how do I do an active version of that? Well, you can lie back on your back and you can do bridges because bridges 
is the same position that you would stretch statically in, but you're doing it actively focusing on your glute and your hamstrings pushing you through a range of motion. The antagonist muscles pushing the agonist through the range of motion, working to and through and into the end range of motion, strengthening the end range of motion. And then dynamic stretching. And certainly you could do like a leg swing where you kick behind you, hip extend and knee flex as your leg kind of butt kicks behind you, right? So you could do butt kickers. Um, I like doing the jogging butt kickers, butt kickers in place. Those are dynamic versions of it. Um, or you could do something as simple as squatting. You can squat and as you stand up, just do a posterior pelvic tilt at the top. Rick, are you saying that's how you're supposed to squat? No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that is a good way to dynamically stretch your hip flexors when you do it. And your rectus femoris would be a good means of doing that. So it's just a means of functional flexibility. And that's what we, well, that's what would be nice if we could start incorporating the integrative flexibility continuum and find all the ways that we can implement it. And usually what we see is in the stabilization phase, static stretching takes place because in the stabilization phase, when people are starting out, that's when we focus on correctives. And then we can move into the strength training portion. That's when we do active stretching because active stretching is the strength training of stretching. It is the adding strength to your stretching portion. And to do that as a movement prep and a warm up to get the muscles fired up in the strength training portion and also increasing range of motion. That's a great movement. Prep. I mean, that's a smart movement prep to start implementing. And then you can move into dynamic and dynamic can be done as you get more dynamic with your workout. So as you get into the power phase where you're lifting heavier and you're being more explosive and you're moving things quickly, then your flexibility should follow suit or it should preclude all of those things that you're about to do. So if you're going to do something dynamic, then you add the dynamic flexibility into it. I hope that some of you have found that helpful, interesting, useful, applicable, uh, and that some of you will then take it and start applying it to yourself. Here's what I'm going to, I'm going to do my psoas, static, active, dynamic. I'm going to do my calf, static, active, dynamic, my adductor, static, active, my pecs, and go through the list of all the things and start practicing it and then start applying it. Practice, 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 make application and get your clients doing these preps. All right. Thanks for listening. Like, subscribe, share with your fitness friends and family, leave a review. I appreciate that when you leave reviews. So uh, thanks. And that kind of builds us up on the, the listing and people can find the show a little bit better, uh, but they can find it a lot better if you share it with them. So share, share the episode, share the podcast with your fitness friends and get them on board. If you got questions for me, hit me up. You can hit me up at rick.richie at nasm.org or on Instagram or threads. It's dr.rickrichie. Y'all keep doing what you're doing, inspiring people to fitness. Thanks for listening. This has been the NASM CPT podcast.